Welcome to the Encounter Church Podcast. We believe that this message is going to bless your life, encourage you, and strengthen your walk with Jesus. Grab a notebook, a pen, and let's jump right in. Amen. Well, thank you so much. Thanks for being here today. My name is Pastor Chris. We are delighted that you've chosen to hang out with us this morning. I believe that something great is just about to happen in this place. I believe God's going to give us a breakthrough in some lives today. I believe that God's going to pull families back together and change hearts and lives and really just kind of put us on a brand new path today. Amen? Amen. 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 Are you ready for the Word of God? Amen. Amen. All right. We are in part three of a series of Christmas series that we're talking about waiting on Jesus. And sometimes that wait, let's be honest here, sometimes that wait is hard. We've talked about this over the last couple of weeks. There's a lot of us in the room, we're not real patient when it comes to waiting. We don't like to sit back and wait. We want whatever it is right now. We've created this microwave culture, microwave society that thinks and believes that it can have anything and everything it wants in 30 seconds or less, and it could be or should be as good as if we really waited. But truth be told, some things, the good things, only come about through the wait. And here throughout the Christmas story, we find a a plethora of people, a group of people that that have experienced the wait, but on the end of it all, they find out that it was worth it. So that's what I want to talk about today. Sometimes this wait can be lonely. Sometimes this wait can be discouraging or even frustrating. But I believe that if we'll tap into the Christmas story this morning, we'll discover that there's a lot that we can learn that we can apply to our lives today that will help us in this time of wait. Now, this morning, I want to talk about the wise men. We looked at John the Baptist week one. Now, remind you, John the Baptist, his story is really about 30 years after Jesus's birth. And then last week, we processed through what this weight looks like. And, and today, here we are looking at the wise men, these group of guys that truly had to wait not a few moments, but historians tell us, theologians tell us, it could have been upwards of two years that they were in pursuit of Jesus. Yeah. Now, I know that messes up all of your nativity scenes at home. I know it does. In the nativity scene, we find the shepherds on one side with all the cattle and the sheep, and then we have the wise men on the other side, and we think, oh, isn't that a great little nativity? Then you got Mary and Joseph and baby Jesus. What a cool little picture that is. But truth be told, no, the the wise men weren't there. The wise men perhaps were up to two years later, anywhere from 40 days to two years after Jesus's birth. And that's the way that we find the wise men in. Look at this in Matthew chapter 2, verse 1 and 2. It says, Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from the eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose and have come to worship him. They began this pursuit, they began this journey to find Jesus. Why? So that they could worship him. 
We're going to see this progression today. We're going we're gonna to find out what does that look like in our lives over 2,000 years later. How do we apply what these wise men went through in their pursuits? I want to look at five truths of the weights. I encourage you to take really good notes this morning. you got paper copies of the notes available to you. You've got the digital copies on the church app or the YouVersion app. But grab a hold of those and take really good notes today because if you're not going through a weight right now, get ready. You're going to experience one down the road. At some point in life, you're going to have something that you're longing for, something that you're dealing with, something that you're trying to get past, and you're calling out to God, and you find yourself in that waiting room of life. What do you do in that moment? Number one, truth number one is this. It all starts with a desire. It all starts with a desire. And I wonder, the question I have for you is this, what do you desire today? In your life, your personal life, what do you desire? What are you longing for in life? There's a story about a mom and a little boy that went Christmas shopping. And as the story goes, the mom was walking hand in hand with her little boy and They were running furiously from one store to the next store, trying to get those final Christmas purchases accomplished. And suddenly she became aware that the little hand of her three-year-old boy was no longer clutched to her hand. Now, as a parent, some of you are parents in the room, you can understand the, the panic mode that this mom went through. She began to run back and retrace all of her steps, trying to figure out where her son is. It didn't take long, but she found her little boy, his little nose pressed up against the glass, looking at the manger scene in the store window. She began to yell at her boy, son, get over here now. We've got to go. He said, look, mommy, look, mommy, baby Jesus in the manger. How do you think mom responded? Well, suddenly she burst back, son, we don't have time for that. There's too much going on. And as I began to process that story, I realized that's a lot like our lives today. We're surrounded by the busyness. We're surrounded by the chaos. We're surrounded by the weight, and we just don't have time for Jesus. We don't have time for that. We sit in the midst of the wait rather than turning it all over to God, rather than pursuing the one that has the solution in his hands. We become overwhelmed by everything else around us. And here we find the wise men. This desire, this longing in their hearts to follow a star. They said, we saw the star as it rose, and we've come in search of Jesus. They knew that it would lead them to the long-awaited Messiah, this newborn king of the Jews, this baby in a manger at just the first sight of the star. 
and anticipation begin to well up on the inside. Look at this, Matthew 2, verse 2. Where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose. We've come to worship him. An excitement, a passion, a longing, a desire to find Jesus began to well up inside of them as they began to pursue him. And I want you to know today, this Christmas season, that no matter what life looks like right now, there is a hope that can lead your tomorrow. There's a hope that can change your tomorrow. There's a hope that can illuminate your tomorrow. There's a hope that can bring an anticipation into your life. And his name is Jesus. He's waiting at the door of your life. He's patiently anticipating your arrival at the door. The question is, will you open it up for him? Or will you find yourself just too busy? We don't have time for that. See, that's the choice that these wise men had to make. They they saw the star, but would they begin to follow it? Or would they allow the things of life to keep them from pursuing the only thing that can bring about the resolve of the longing of their life. It all started with a desire. We saw his star as it rose. That star stirred something inside of these wise men that caused them to have a longing, a desire to find Jesus. And then the second truth is this. Our desire will require a pursuit. Have you ever had a craving? I remember when my wife was pregnant with our son. She craved ramen noodles. Let me just pause for a moment. I am so grateful when my wife had cravings, they were cheap cravings. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? With my son, it was ramen noodles. With my daughter, it was ice. I'm like, come on, thank you, Jesus. Right, right, right. But when she was, she began to crave ramen noodles when she was pregnant with Chandler. And it was about 10.30 at night. Now, mind you, that's not as big of a deal nowadays because you can kind of go places and find them open at 10.30 at night. But this was in small town USA, a town of uh, 3,700 people. Not, not a whole lot of people. One grocery store that closed at about 9 o'clock. And my wife at 10.30 at night said, I need ramen noodles. <laughs> now, those of you that have a wife and you've had a baby, you understand when that craving starts, you do whatever you need to do, as long as it's legal, (laughs) (laughs) to resolve that issue. So here we are, 1030 at night, I'm like, I've got to find ramen noodles. I don't know where to find ramen noodles. Walmart was not open that late, and in fact, the town didn't have a Walmart. Got an issue. Fortunately, my, my mom lived about five blocks away from us. I called mom. I'm like, help. My wife is craving, craving ramen noodles. I need ramen noodles right now. She's like, I've got one pack. Come get them. 
You see, there was this craving, this longing in my wife's life, and I had to go on the pursuit. It required a pursuit on my behalf. And the wise men found themselves in that same place. In verse 8, it says, Then Herod told them, Go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child. Now, Herod placed a mission upon the wise men. Go and pursue this child. Go in pursuit of this child. When you get serious about your pursuit with God, listen carefully. When you get serious about your pursuit with God, I'm not just talking about playing church. I'm not just talking about coming on a Sunday morning twice a month. I'm talking about when you get serious in your pursuit with God, when that's what you long for in life, when that's when you crave in life. I'm here to tell you, he becomes all that you desire. You see, the more of God that you find, the more of him you get to know, the more of him you want to know. And the more of him you want to know, the more you fall in love with him. And the more that you fall in love with him, the more of him you want. And the more, you see where we're going here. He becomes your everything. Greater than that which once consumed you. Suddenly you arrive with this joy, this longing that you never had before. Jeremiah 29 says this, when you come looking for me, God is speaking here, you will find me. Some of you have come in this place today and you're giving God one more try. You've never really pursued him before you're kind of wondering does he even exist is it even a real thing what's this church stuff all about the bible says when you come looking for him you will find him he's standing at the door of your life today verse 14 says yes when you get serious look at your neighbor and say get serious come on you didn't say it like i said it come on get serious there you go there you go When you get serious about finding me and want it more than anything else, I'll make sure you won't be disappointed. A great joy awaits you today, yet you must push through in the pursuit, not just sit in the situation. We learned a couple of weeks ago that there's action required on our part. The wise man could have let Herod's words scare them. They could have said, you know what? I really don't want to get involved in this. We don't want to be a part of what Herod is doing. They were onto his scheme. They knew what he was trying to do. They could have just sat down in the midst of the moment and missed their destiny and missed the opportunity to find Jesus and worship him. The Bible is very clear that if we get serious in that pursuit, that God will meet us right there. But not only will he meet us, he'll lead the way. Look what it says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. But seek first the kingdom of God. Come on, look, more than anything else, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And what? All these things will be added to you. Verse 13 is referring, 
when it says, when it's referring to all these things will be added, what's he talking about? Well, Matthew's just processed through, he's been talking about us storing up heavenly treasures. He's been saying, hey, you don't need to worry about this. God will take care of this thing and, and that thing in your life. We must realize that God is our supply. In fact, the Bible goes as far as to say that God will supply all of your needs according to what? His riches and glory. Not according to us, not according to what I can do on my own, not according to what I can conjure up with my group of friends, but according to who he is. Amen. Our answer, our supply, our joy, our hope, our foundation, our refuge, our fortress, our God. We found out this morning that it starts with a desire. It moves forward in a pursuit. And number three, a pursuit of Jesus will lead to an internal change. Come on, look at this. I want you to know God's so much more concerned about what's on the inside of your life than what's on the outside. Man, as church folk, we're real good about dressing up and cleaning up and showering and shaving and looking the part. Do I look the part of a Christian? Can you guess that I'm a Christian? But here's the deal. God's more concerned about what's on the inside of our lives than he is what the outside looks like. The Bible says he looks at the hearts of man. This pursuit first took the wise men to the Jewish capital city of Jerusalem. Why? Because they were in search of the king. It made sense to go to the capital. But here they connected with King Herod, who instructed them to go to Bethlehem to find the Messiah, this king of the Jews. Now, Herod's desire, his longing for Jesus, we find out later, wasn't the same as the wise men. The wise men we saw his star. We've come and searched for him. Why? So that we can worship him. But Herod was threatened by this baby in a manger. He, he was threatened by this Messiah that was to be born in Bethlehem. His desire was to have Jesus killed. Matthew chapter 2, verse 10. When they saw the star... They were filled with what? Joy. Joy. Did you see what I saw? The sight of the star brought about a newly found joy in the lives of the wise men. It wasn't joy because they had never seen a star before. You see, these wise men were very educated astrologers. They had studied the stars. They understood the stars. But notice with me that it wasn't when they walked into the house. It wasn't when they saw Herod. But it was the moment that they saw this star. They were still in the anticipation stage. They were still in the wait, in the midst of the wait. Something began to stir inside of them. Now, in the onset of the message, I said, sometimes this wait can be frustrating. Sometimes it can be discouraging. Sometimes it can cause us a little bit of problems. But what happens? We've got to change that atmosphere. We've got to change what we're looking at. We've got to change what we're pursuing. We've got to change where we're going. And when we begin to do that, 
everything begins to change on the inside. This pursuit brings about an internal change in our lives. I wonder, do you allow God to fill you with joy as you wait? Or maybe I should say it this way. Are you allowing God to fill you as you wait? Or do you prefer to sit in the struggle, in the hurt, in the difficulty, and simply allow it to destroy you from the inside out? Because truth be told, one or the other is going to happen. Either you're going to allow God to renew inside of you a joy, a joy of his salvation, a joy of his hope, a joy that is only founded in him, or we're going to rest on the struggle and the hurt and the difficulty and strife, and that's going to begin to eat away on the inside of our lives. But you see this internal change? Look at our fourth truth. It will lead to a heart's of worship. Do you remember what the wise men came to do? They came to worship Jesus. The wise men entered the house and saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and what? Worshiped him. That was their desire. This anticipation brought about an internal change which led to a heart of worship, a longing to give God praise. They begin to worship him. They bowed down. I wonder today, in the midst of your weights, how will you respond to Jesus? As his presence fills the room, how will you choose to respond. Now, some of you are saying to yourself, well, if I was honest, I would tell you this, a heart of worship is the last thing on my mind during the waits. What a sad decision that is. Because when you begin to worship, when you begin to give God praise, everything begins to change. Why is that? Because suddenly you're no longer looking at that issue you're facing. No longer are you overwhelmed by that situation that you're going through. No longer are you getting worst-case scenario-itis going on because of that problem in your life. But suddenly you realize that the solution, the one that is able to meet that very need, is right there with you. That he's desiring and longing to journey through this storm with you. To bring about a change, to bring about a resolve in your life. I want to share with you the same source of hope that the wise men experienced. They anticipated joy. It consumed their lives for roughly two years in pursuit of Jesus. Suddenly, when they realized the star had stopped, it had remained over the location of the long-awaited Messiah, this joy overwhelmed them. 
They were completely consumed with that joy. Second Corinthians chapter 4 Paul is writing here, and he's been talking about eternal life, and now he gets to verse 16. He says this, that is why we never give up. Let me explain again. He's talking about uh, there's coming a day when, when Christ will return, that we'll spend eternity with him, that these earthly vessels that we live in are temporary. He says that's why we never give up, though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are what? Small. Well, pastor, my trouble seems pretty big. I understand that. See, the way we perceive things in our life pales in comparison to the way that God sees it. The Bible says his ways aren't our ways. His thoughts aren't our thoughts. He's not limited by time like we are. See, all I'm concerned about is yesterday and today, and I have no idea what's going to happen tomorrow, but God's got it all in his hand. We used to sing a song as little kids. He's got the whole world in his hands. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day for our present troubles are small and won't last very long, yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So here's what I want you to hear. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on that which cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. Now, verse 17 said our current problems, our current issues are small and won't last I know for you it seems impossible. That doesn't make sense. You're overwhelmed. They're bigger than life. But I would suggest to you that you move on into verse 18. Don't get stuck on verse 17. Move on to verse 18 where we're challenged not to be so overwhelmed by what we see now, but begin to gaze into that which we cannot see and allow God to restore a hope. Allow this internal change to become an eternal transformation of praise. Let me say that again. Allow this internal change to become an eternal transformation of praise. Move out of the difficulty, out of the weight, into the presence of God. Let your atmosphere change and watch what God begins to do. And there's a a fifth truth that I want to share with you today. Our heart of worship should result in complete surrender. Now, why did I use that word should? Because we have this free will. We have this choice in life. At any moment in time, the wise men could have said, you know what, I'm tired of this journey. I was really thinking we were going to find the Messiah in 50 days or in 100 days, but here we are almost two years in and we're still in pursuit. I I just want to go home. I miss my bed. You know, come on, right? I miss the comforts of my life. I miss what I'm used to. Yet they continued in this pursuit. They, They made a choice for a complete surrender. Verse 11 says this, then they opened their treasure chest and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now, for you today, what does it mean to completely surrender 
to God. In the middle of your wait, what does it mean for you to completely surrender to him? I'm going to give you three areas. Number one is surrender your mind to Jesus. Surrender your mind to Jesus. Ephesians chapter 4 says, Instead, let your spirit renew, let the spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. No longer the old lifestyle that we used to live, no longer what we used to go through, no longer the things that we used to entertain, but now we're changed, we're transformed. Romans chapter 12 says that we need to allow God to change us from the inside out, not conforming to the world, not doing what the world would would do, but begin to do what God would do by allowing God to change the way we think. It's time to stop seeing things through our own eyes. I want to challenge you today. Draw a line in the sand. Choose today to stop seeing your current situation through your eyes. Stop trying to imagine it in your own mind. The Bible tells us that God is able to do far beyond what we can ever imagine or dream on our own. So why not give it to him. The second area is surrender your will to Jesus. Surrender your mind. Surrender your will. Many people, perhaps that's you today, you think you control your life with your willpower, but more times than not, what happens? We fail. We just can't do it on our own. But if you will begin to yield your will, if you begin to surrender your will to God and and allow his power to take over, I'm here to tell you that his willpower will help you. It'll help you to accomplish all that he has placed in front of you, to live the victorious life. The Bible says he's already given us all that we need to live this victorious life. Why not begin to apply that in our lives. And the third area is this, and Fernando, if you'll come. Surrender yourself to Jesus. That's saying, Lord, all that I am, Lord, all that I hope to be, God, I I give it to you today. Lord, I can't do this by myself. Lord, I readily admit that in my own strength, in my own ability, this isn't going to work. Luke chapter 9 says this, if any of you wants to be my follower, Jesus is speaking here. He says, you must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross daily, follow me. If you want to be my follower, if you want to be my disciple, it's not just show up on a Sunday morning and call it good and and punch that spiritual time card. No, 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 no. you got to daily make this choice. Lord, I surrender all. Yet it's easy to say, Lord, I surrender some. Lord, I'll surrender this, and God, I'll give you that, but I'm going to hold on to this portion for myself because, God, this is what what I like. God, this is what I want to do. God, this is my desire. And God says, but that's not the plan that I have for you. 
want to be my disciple. You've got to deny yourself. Turn away from your selfish ways. Take up your cross daily and begin to follow. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. I discovered it in the midst of the wait that if I will fully surrender to God, if I will say, God, whatever you want, God, whatever that looks like, oh, Lord, I give it to you right now. I've discovered if I will begin to do that, that God will step in every single time. But it comes down to the pursuit. What are you going to pursue in life? I'm going to make a very profound statement here. It's going to just blow your minds. Are you ready for this? Whatever you pursue, that is what you will find. I know that sounds so obvious. Whatever you pursue, that's what you'll find. But what happens? We find ourselves in life, we get so frustrated. Oh, all I get is this, and all I get is this, and all I get is this, and every time I turn around, I get that and not that, and it's just not working. Could it be? Could it be? Truly, that's what you're pursuing? Oh, maybe not here, but with the rest of your life? What are you treasuring? What are you longing for? We're going to talk about that next week. You see, Mary treasured these things in her heart. The Bible says she thought about them often. I can imagine the wise men were much the same. They found this baby wrapped in strips of cloth lying in this manger. One by one as they placed this gift in front of Jesus. Something began to change on the inside. What are you rehearsing? What are you pursuing? looking for in the midst of this way. God said, if you'll just seek after me, if you'll get serious, if you'll pursue the things of God, God said, you'll find me. again for listening to the Encounter Church podcast. We pray that this message was a blessing and an encouragement to your life.